He didn't seek his help from God, but from the physicians. And it's not about him going to physicians, but God was not in first place. Something had happened. I didn't know what I would preach about, but I think I have a very powerful word for you. I love this word. I got stuck with it. I have been reading the Testam Old Testament for uh, often and in Chronicles. There's a lot of names and kings, and then you read, and suddenly you get stuck somewhere, and you feel like God wants to speak about something. And if you have your Bible with you, please open Second Chronicles 16, verse 12. And I want to read this verse to you, and it says, And Azam got sick in his feet in the third 39th year of his reign, was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. So that is a scripture. I said, what kind of preaching is that going to be? So it's not going to be anti against physicians. Surely not. But God wants to speak about it. And before we look at this, we have to know who is King Asa. So the Hebrew meaning of King Asa means he is healer, savior. So that's the meaning of his name. And his great-grandfather was Solomon, and he comes from the lineage of David in the fourth generation. David was his great-great-great-grandfather. And he is the first righteous king of Judah. So it was a time where the whole kingdom was separated into two halves. So one was Judah, it was the south, and it goes back to David. And the other realm is the northern kingdom, it's Israel. And so Asa was the king from the south kingdom of Judah. And there was another king. His name was Basha. And he was the king of the northern, northern kingdom. And while the king Basha in the northern kingdom of Israel, Second Chronicles says they were far away from God. They were without priests, without dedication. It was a time of great confusion. And it says there was a lot of fears. They were far away somehow. It was not right. And the southern kingdom and the king of Asa It looked differently there. So Asa, he reformed the whole country. He threw out the, the idols, the idols of Canaan. He tore down the idols. He reformed the whole country. And you can read about it, how he fortified the cities and he built a powerful, forceful army. And we read in Second Chronicles 16, 1 and 2, and Asa did what was right and what the Lord liked. So it's one of the few kings, there's only a few kings that it says about in the kingdom of Judah. So, and he removed the idols' altars, he beat down the Asherah, and he demanded Judah to seek the Lord and do after the law of the Lord. So he said, we want Yahweh, we want to follow God. It was what, it was what he wanted. And somehow, like a small revival broke out. And the reason for this revival was a crisis. 
There was a time after 10 years they had peace and then the Kushites came. And they're not sure, but they think that the Ethiopians or Egyptians, some say. But it was a it, they were overpowered. It was an army of Azai, was half a million people, and the Kushites were one million, so they were double. So it was a big crisis in the whole country. Second Chronicles 14.10. And Azai was calling upon the Lord, saying, Lord, it is not hard for you to help the weak against the strong. And he said, help us, Lord our God, because we trust you. We didn't. We rely on you. We have come because of you. You are our God. No one can stand against you. He knew who was the source of success. He relied on the Lord. And the Kushites were beaten, surprisingly, and it was a time of absolute victory, success in his time. And he knew the only reason was that he relied on God, that he was seeking the Lord. And at some point, there was a prophet coming towards him, and this prophet's name was Asaya. And he points his finger, and he says, Asa, the Lord is with you because you are with him. And when you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you leave him, he will leave you as well. So he encourages Azan says, you are on the right way. And this is great encouragement, like a small revival. They threw out the idols, they reformed the country, they renewed the altar in the temple, the service, worship the prayer and you can read people came from all over the place from the northern kingdom of Israel and they had fallen away from the Lord but they came from everywhere and then he called a congress like a congregation and in the end of that meeting they wrote down a declaration like a proclamation. And they made a covenant together. Second Chronicles 15 verse 12. And the covenant was that they would not stop to seek the God of their fathers with all of their hearts and all of their souls. And I'm reading the verse. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their hearts and soul. And they didn't want to stop seeking Him and worship Him, to seek Him in their word, to seek Him in worship, to be before Him. He would not seek the Lord was supposed to die great and small before the Lord. So this is not so nice. And they swore to the Lord with loud voices and with trumpets and horns. It was a like a revival. And it says about them all, and the heart of God was right all of his life. It's Luther. So it's like righteous, shalem, peaceful. It was in peace. 
war gerettet. Der Frieden Gottes ruhte The peace of God rested upon him the, for the rest of his life. He was seeking the Lord and he trusted him. And he trusted or to rely on someone, meaning is he was leaning back on God. What a wonderful story. He was seeking him with an undivided heart. He made a covenant. He relied on God. A great story, right? And in fact, would be a good time for a happy end. But somehow in the biblical stories there is a but. Something goes wrong somehow. And even with Asa, it was true like this. In the next chapter, we read something. He got sick in his feet. So he was, has, had been king for 39 years. And the disease increased. And there was something weird. Something happened. He didn't seek his help from God, but from the physicians. And it's not about him going to physicians. But God was not in first place. Something had happened. 35 years of no war it was victory and wealth and security 35 years of spiritual life and I'm asking, I'm asking myself what happened there? and I thought about it and I was like did he get used to the peace? did he get used to the blessing that somehow he was no longer willing in the conflict? did he forget who the source is? the, the source of peace that he had? Why did he end up as this man sick in his feet for whom every step was like a torture and a pain? And it's not only about sickness, it's like a picture or a symbol for a spiritual state. What happened? And there was a, a conflict with the king of Israel, king of Basha. No big deal. And I don't think that the king Basha liked it, that the people from the northern kingdom came to the southern kingdom, kingdom to King Asa. And he fortified a city. Its name was Rama. It was like 60 kilometers northern of Jerusalem. He wanted to cut off Jerusalem. And Asa thought about it. Well, it was, would be a good idea. There was something going there. And it was the King Basha of the Northern Kingdom and a peace treaty with the king. What's his name? With the king. I have to look for him. And the king of Damascus. There was a peace treaty. And King Asa thought, well, I'm going to go to the king of Damascus and I'm buy him, I will pay for him. And he took his uh, treasures and the king of Damascus, I give you a lot of money and if you attack the king of Basha, he will not build there in Rama. And it worked. So, it was nothing more than him buying that king. It was politics. 
dass er ihn bestochen hat. And the king of Damascus, Ben Haddad, now I have his name, he breaks his treaty, attacks the king of the northern kingdom, and he's so busy that he stops with the building of and fortifying of the city, Rama, and the whole material is laying around there, and King Asa is happy, and he took can take the whole material but strangely enough he loses more and more of his power and strength and something happens to him and that's strange because everything worked his concept worked they didn't have to fight a fight everything looked so blessed And I, I imagine how this King Asa was sitting on his throne and he was very happy and satisfied with himself and very happy that everything worked so well, how his advisors congratulate him. And sometimes it's true, if God's prophetic voices come, they don't come at the right timing. And so this prophet Hananiah comes into his palace. And he says to him, King Asa, even though you're satisfied with yourself, even though it all looks very reasonable and well on the outside and works well and looks pretty nice, God has a problem with what you did. It says in Second Chronicles 15, verse 7. So in that time, the seer Hananiah came to him and he spoke to him because you relied on the king of Aram, the king of Damascus, and not upon the king, Lord your king. Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord of your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. You relied on the king of Damascus and not upon the Lord. You relied on the treaty more than upon God. You were leaning more unto the king of Damascus than upon God. You relied more on people than on God. But the Lord saw your heart. It's very interesting. God says, you know, you do everything right. You do everything well. You serve me. You worship me. You have so many years of blessing behind you. Yes, it's true. You are saved. You are righteous. Your life stands for it. That you are righteous before me. And yet you have lost the most important thing. And we can be saved and follow Jesus and do the best. And it's something, it's not right. And we're sick in our feet, like King Azam. And so the prophet was asking him, don't you remember the covenant that we made? It's a wonderful word, Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. Maybe you can show it. For the Lord's eyes, Lord's eyes look into all the nations. That he strengthens the ones 
who are with him with all of their hearts. It's the eyes of God. He looks throughout all the nations. He wants to strengthen people. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to build you up. He wants to build us up and strengthen us, equip us, encourage us, strengthen, strengthen you in your spirit, in your body, rebuild you in your situation that you're in. And what he looks for are people that are with him with all of their hearts. He says, Aza, something went wrong with you. What are people looking for God? So Aza was looking for God with all of his heart. Hebrew darash. And the meaning of seeking God is to go to a certain place often. It's an interesting translation, isn't it? So seeking God, we think, is hopeless somehow. We're looking for something and you don't exactly know if you find it, but this is not the meaning. It is to go to a place again and again, place of prayer, a place of the Word of God, where I read and study the Word of God. You go to a place again and again, a place of worship in the temple, or worship translated in the house of God, in the church, again and again. A translation of seeking God is to study, to seek, to come into his presence again and again to seek God. And the thought of doing it again and again, continuously, and the Hebrew meaning of relying on is batach. It means to lean on someone, on something. To rely on God means I lean upon God. To rely on him is me is the meaning of being secure, faithful. I am comforted inside. And it says, because you have relied on the king of Damascus, Aram, because you were leaning upon him, because you thought he is your security. Your human possibilities are your securities because you relied on him. You relied on it. And not first all upon the Lord. And he says, that was not good. God did not like that. And I asked myself when I was reading that, and I went through my own life like scanning it it's so easy that you do the things and minister to the Lord and serve him and going to the service is really trying to devote yourself and do things right but it's so easy that you rely on other things right? and the securities are in your life it can be so quick that you lean upon other people lean on confirmation or inner concepts or things that work and go well. Even the confirmation of my own family and acceptance. I can lean upon so many things and they can become like idols and nobody sees it. And I was asking myself, what am I really relying upon? Who am I leaning upon? Who am, are you leaving on? And who are you relying on? And when I was in Israel, I received a message a businessman, uh, from a businessman on WhatsApp. I received it. And he was writing to me, well, I, I 
I got an offer and it really looks so well it's a dream it's what I always wanted and I was praying and I thought it could be something good and he said can you do an input like can you pray it if, and I'm, I'm really happy if something somebody looks for advice and I had a few impressions and I wrote back you know look that you will not be depending on them and dependency of them and second time is a special quality that belongs to the Lord and see that your time is not robbed in any way but that the time first of all is kingdom of God and Jesus and family and all these things and then and he wrote back and he said we thought about it differently we decided that this is not our security we decided that God is our security and I really liked it what are you relying upon? What are we relying on? Upon? We can rely on our health. It can be over for so quick. We can rely upon our families, and families, constellations can change. And often it's true, when we rely upon people, we often have a life in fear, because who relies upon people can be left by people. What do we rely upon when we speak to people? And we always have to overcome obstacles when we speak with people. If I share my testimony or stories, what are we relying upon when God speaks and we go ways that God does not, does other people doesn't don't understand? And I often had to go ways like this. When God called me into, into full-time ministry, when we were called to go to Tübingen, when we were called to found a church, when we were called, when God said, go to Israel, it was not always like, this is the dream, but God asked the ways of God. So it means God closely looks, are we going the ways of God? Or are we relying on or leaning upon our feelings and emotions, or the things that we think are right or wrong, or are they the ways of God? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, rely upon the Lord, trust in the Lord, lean on Him, the Lord, with all of your heart, not just a, a separated heart, but with a whole heart. To rely on God is always 100%. It's not true to do it 95 or 90%. It's not half. 95% not. It's 100% not relying on Him. Trust in the Lord. Lean upon Him with all of your heart and do not rely on your mind. Remember Walter. Who rules you? Who reigns you? Don't trust your mind, but think of him in all of your ways. Have him in your mind. The word of God, the word, things that he does. And then it says, I will lead you right. I will make your path straight. You have a God who leads you, who has a path, a way for you, a wonderful way, a way of blessing. And we have to find out this way and go this way. And in this word, you have everything together. 
And that was the point. We had totally stopped to rely on the leading of God. It was not his thought like, God, do you want this? And I'm not thinking the great big ways about the big decisions. No, the small things. Every day the decision. What does it look like today and to now? Like we heard in the testimony, the partnership of the Holy Spirit, his leadership. And this is what it says here, with all of our heart to trust in him, and that belongs together, I'm filled. I am filled with his word. I carry the character of God within me because I'm changed through his word. I'm going his ways. I'm led by him every day. And somehow Asa, he got sick in his feet. And it is a sign that he was only seeking for help with people and no longer with God. And that had a spiritual meaning somehow. And I had to think that there are so many people here and they are having such a hard time going the ways of God. And that was true for Asa. They're having such a hard time. They want to go the way of God, but it is like torture. And there is no joy. And the Word of God says, we're supposed to be the, like happy calves. And they are limping to from one point to another, remaining standing, sitting down there, and they feel limited by this narrow way that the Lord speaks about. And it speaks of the broad and the narrow way. And for them, it is like a burden to go these ways of God. And today, I was reading in a newspaper. No, I think it was yesterday. Is it true? 600,000 people left church this year because they felt that this way was a burden, a torture. 600,000 people. It's a huge number. It's like a burden, a torture for them. In Israel, I was meeting someone, and we had an impression to visit Arnie and Unit Klein. It was a wonderful time that we had. So we drove over there, and we spent there one and a half hours, and there was a young woman. And she was smiling at me, and she was like, oops, you know me. And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I used to go to your services, and I was like, okay. And through these services, I got changed, and I said, what happened? And she said, well, I come from a Catholic background. And I thought, to believe in God is law only. And then you were preaching, and I don't remember the message. But you said, and you were dancing, and you were happy, and I don't remember that I was ever dancing here. And there was joy, and I thought, if God is like this, with such a great joy, then he has to be alive. And he said, she said, I got saved then. I gave my life to Jesus then. She's a worship leader and a worshiper. And a woman following Jesus and loving Jesus and ministering to Israel. Can we give God a hand for this? So, often we're sick in our feet and we feel that the following of Jesus is a burden. And it was true for Asa. Even though he was righteous before God, there was peace. He was blessed and God used him. And yet it was like this. 
And I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with Aza's feet. So, if you speak about feet here in the Shrebis country, you don't know what it means because in the Shrebis, it's also the Shrebian foot is going up to the neck, right, or to the hip, maybe. The, the Shrebis foot. I'm not speaking about the Shrebis feet. I'm speaking about the foot that it is. It's the under part of the leg. So, in Shrebis, a foot can be the whole leg. So, so feet. Well, some feet are really nice depending on what they look like or smell so I was writing down a few things well what happens with the feet and in fact it is that the foot is really a masterpiece whether you believe it or not so did you know that from the 200 to bones that one quarter of all bones are in your foot tell your foot I didn't know that Did you know that on the sole of your feet and the toes are the receptors of the skin in a special high intensity? So that means you are very, very sensitive in your feet. Tickle your neighbor under your foot if it's possible, so then you know how sensitive your feet are. So it's a masterpiece. It carries all the weight of the body. And if the foot is deformed or sick, then it has results on all of the body, right? Some know it because they have experience. What happens when the fit is foot is sick? So there are different deformations of the fit. I cannot tell them in English, I'm sorry. So sweaty feet have no meat meaning, but there's changing and deformation through sickness or diabetes. Well, I'm going to stop with Wikipedia. Let's look into the Word of God. And when we look at the Word of God, you see foot has a meaning. It stands for the leading of God, the way of God. Psalm 119, you all know it. It's the first verse that I had to learn by heart when I was in lessons for church when I was young. You feet, your, your lamp is, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So foot always stands for the way that we go. So, in Exodus it says something and there was pieces covered by the blood first the ear and second the hear, like the hearing and the second your thumb and also your right toe it was for the ways that they went so in the word of God speaks about the way and the path and then Ephesians 5 verse 16, 6 verse 15, it says our feet are supposed to be covered by shoes with the boots of the willingness to proclaim the gospel. So I cannot hurt my feet when it's covered. When it's cover, covered by a shoe, and these shoes are in a spiritual, meaning it is the willingness to go and share the gospel. So, foot stands for the way that we're going. So, and I thought, and I came to John 13. 
Und ich glaube, dass der Herr And I believe that the Lord wants to speak to you through this chapter. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open John 13. And you read the story of washing the feet. And you can read that it was before Passover and there's an interesting verse so Jesus knew that God had given everything into his hands and that he came from God, that he would go back to God. Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was the Son of God. He knew that he had all the power in heaven and on earth. He knew that he would go back to the Father. He gave everything into his hands. And then something strange happens. They sit together and they eat. And Jesus gets up and he takes off his upper clothes and he he wears something like an apron. He fills water into a basin. And he starts washing the feet of the disciples. And I imagine that it was unpleasant somehow, like for others, if someone washes your feet. A lot of people don't like that. For both sides, it means a lot of humility for the one who washes the feet, but also for the one who gets his feet washed. And also for another, it's an act of humility. And the closer Jesus came, the more restless Peter was. And I want to read a few verses. And verse 6, he came to Simon Peter and who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. So this is a strange part here, a passage. I was reading it a lot of times. And somehow I thought, this is hard to understand somehow. And I just want to take two verses out, and also the example of the King Asa. Jesus said, when he comes to Peter, and Peter says, I don't want my feet to be washed. And he says, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part or fellowship with me. Strange, right? If I don't wash your feet, you have no fellowship with me. So Peter was saved. He was a disciple of Jesus. Peter followed Jesus. And Peter, of course, because he was hungry, he wanted everything. He said, okay, then I want to be washed. Bathe me, baptize me. And Jesus says to him, no. Who is washed needs nothing more. 
So he is cleansed, who is redeemed and saved. Who is redeemed and saved? I think most of us are. And if you're not sure, you can come in a moment, and we will pray with you. And you know, this is the prayer that the Lord really hears and gives you eternal life, and you will know that you have eternal life as well. But if you're, you're saved and you're born again to new life, and if you're born again to new life and saved, you have everything, you're saved, you're like Asa. You have the peace of God within you. You are marked with redemption. Jesus looks at you saying, you're a beloved child, there's nothing to add up to this. Saved, redeemed, all the promises in me, I'm a child of God. I cannot do anything anymore to be more child. Imagine if a child tries to do something to be more like a child. Doesn't fit, does it? who is cleansed and washed cannot be washed more. He doesn't need anything more, but but you need one more thing. It doesn't have anything with your salvation or redemption. It has to do with your fellowship. You can be a child and it have no fellowship with your father. You can be a child, and yet you are far away from the father, you are far away from the parents, you have no relationship. You can be a child and saved, but you have no fellowship. And this is what Jesus says here. It is a problem. There are so many sick in their feet, Christians. They know that God is alive and that He's there and they try to follow Him. They are saved, they are born again, they are redeemed and everything is there. The peace, the King of Peace is there but they have no share. They have no fellowship with Jesus. No fellowship with the Holy Spirit because we know that the Holy Spirit is responsible for fellowship. And this is a precious thing that there is, heart to heart, to have a share, to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, to be together with Him. And that's why Jesus is saying something strange. So that you would have a share. I have to wash your feet. Why? He says, you can only have fellowship with me when you go my ways. That's something very revolutionizing. There are so many Christians on the road and they know I have no relationship with God. He's so far away, I don't know how to go there. Because they learn, didn't learn something not to go the ways of God. Or they got stuck like Asa and they got sick in their feet. And it was so hard to go in the ways of Jesus. Because God suddenly said, my ways are different than from yours. And who of you knows that the God's ways sometimes are different from ours? We can only have a share, and this is what Jesus says to Peter. Fellowship. If you go my ways, when we go this way together, when we go the same way that I go, when I can lead you through the Holy Spirit and how often we are going our own ways and making our ways God's way and we are led by disappointments or negative experience or securities or the things at work but this relationship the heart to heart relationship 
the share, partnering with the Holy Spirit, it is what revives you and gives you life. The ways of God. And it only works if we do not rely on people, not lean upon people. But if we lean upon Him, and when we lean upon Him, something very interesting happens. Suddenly you can trust people. This is something very strange because if we not do not rely on people and trust people, it usually has a reason that we are not leaning upon God, that He is not the first one. That Jesus is not the first one. And that was true. And after washing the feet, we know the crucifixion and resurrection and Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. And then the church came. It was the, he did not disperse all of them, just go, go preach the gospel first. He prepared structure of blessing. And then they were there, and there's 3,000 people coming together. They were prepared, and they were taught. They learned to live with the apostles, hearing the teachings of the apostles. They went to the homes, and they met in the homes. They had fellowship in the homes. And then God used them. And this way was a way of joy. Ooh. They met in the homes full of joy. It was also a way of resistance, yes. It was a way where they were persecuted. And yet, this joy never stopped. It was that Jesus washed their feet. That was why he said that. If I do not wash your feet, you will remain sick in your feet. You go your own ways. So again and again, we have to look at our ways. We have to correct them, to bring it into unity with the measurement of God, to really make sure are we decor with what God says. It's not our experiences necessarily. And I want to tell you that you are so loved by the Heavenly Father. You are so loved by the living God that He gave His living Son for you, that He gave His Holy Spirit to make you live in this partnership. But what I have to do is to say, yes, you can lead me the way you want to lead me. Your ways, according to your word, according to what you say, it always leads into the will of God. My dear friends, I think we can pray together. It's a message that I wanted to share. And I believe that the Lord wants to minister to you. That you're here for a reason. Maybe you're here and you feel that following Jesus is like with Asa, very, very hard, step by step. And maybe it's true for you that you're saying, at some point I lost my way and I want to live in the partnership with God. And this is what the Lord wants to change today. And now you may stand.